in, guys. Welcome to another edition of Killinois with Bird and Cam, only on Media Alley and SoundCloud. This is your boy, Birdman, is always with me, Cam. Cam, how we doing? I am fantastic. I'm on, like, this 16th time of getting in shape and ready to do it. So we'll try for the 16th time, see oh, if yeah. I get in shape. Well, I'm trying to sign the first time. Shit. I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. Shit. Like. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty good with day one, but it's the rest of the days that's yeah. the issue. So you should have did something this- like just give something up for Lent. Like, I just saw that... Uh, the, the McDonald's filet fish commercials, and they only doing that because everybody's going to give up meat for land and nakedness. What would we just do fish? No, it's it's because it's because we can't eat meat on Fridays. Oh. And Ash Wednesday, yeah, you can't eat meat on Fridays, but you can eat fish. Oh, oh well, I'm a terrible yeah. Christian because I'll just do it regardless. Yes, but... son of a bitch, what the hell? <laughs> well, guys, um, again, one, thank you so much for uh, listening, wherever you are, whether it's Media Alley on YouTube or you're listening on SoundCloud. Um, We just did a couple of days ago the first part of Richard Speck, and boy, was that something very, like, morbid and... What an a-hole. Sorry, guys. I was a little aggressive on that last one. But, like, yeah, come but on. You had every right to be. You had every right to come be. On. And I think this is one of those things is that the manner in which, you know, the crime that Richard Speck, well, the crimes he did over a few-day period, like, it's just something that you have to, like, I recorded that. I, when we recorded this, I had the lights on. And I had the lights on when I went to bed. That's kind of like how terrified I was. <laughs> It's, it's literally one of those nightmares and scary stories you see as a kid, and then, like, you're supposed to grow out of when you get older. Yeah. But it's real life, and it's just, and, and I understand, like, Ted Bundy kind of did the same thing, but, like, we didn't have a, we didn't cover a case on Ted mm-hmm. Bundy yet, so that's a whole, whole other story, and there's so so much information about Ted Bundy right now, it's like, hot topic. Right, and with the new Netflix out. The thing is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. So, and it's just, it sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, that said, uh, shall we just hit him with a disclaimer? I mean, fuck it, why not? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to the last, for the, or excuse me, thanks for listening to the last episode. Thanks for dealing with my hothead. But we are on part two of this episode. And like every other one, we've gotten all this information and notes from, Various sources from the internet, from police reports, um, even uh, trial reports, things of that nature. So if there's anything on here that we say that is incorrect, that is wrong, or you have some extra information, hit us up at Illinois with Bird and Cam on Facebook um, and let us know. Uh, We're just here to talk about the facts, state the facts and things that we've learned. So if there is something wrong or something you want to add or if you want to say hi, let us know. So, let's let's do this damn thing. Let's do the damn thing. So, I guess to do a quick refresher, um, Richard Benjamin Speck over a span of two nights on, well, into night to the dawn of July 13th to July 14th, 1966, systematically tortured, raped, and murdered eight student nurses from the South Chicago Community Hospital and while they while some were laying asleep at their student uh, townhouse and while others were getting back in from, you know, their night activities. And again, it's just like one of those unfathomable things that, and it recalls back to a episode we did for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which again, you guys can find in the archives on soundcloud.com. Chicago hadn't seen a murder like this in over 40 something years. So when you see something like this, a mass murder, I mean, sadly, we are, we're callous to all of these things. I mean, while we were recording, yeah, yeah, while we were recording, you know, they had, it was the the mass shooting in, what was it, in Australia or New Zealand, and 50 people and 40 lost their lives. So, I mean, it's, we live in an environment where this is happening way too much, way too frequently. It's not okay. And... I know there's this huge debacle right now about gun laws right now, but what's going on right now is not okay. Right. Whatever it may be, it needs to be fixed because nobody, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what religion you are. Do what you want to do. 
I, you do not deserve to be killed, especially mm-hmm. the way like that. You, it, everyone is open to their own religion. No one should be forced to have to live a certain way. They should all be able to have their own religion, their own choice. And like, it's the 20th century. Like, what's with all the hatred? Right. And, and so re- that's how I feel about that. Right. And the reason, like, I bring up that, you know, the this these mass shootings and these mass attacks is that when Speck had murdered the nurses, the this was the first of its kind in America since probably, I think it was 1949 where I read something where seven people or such had got killed. I think it was in Iowa, I believe. Don't quote me on it. But yeah, it was such, to, to, to have that kind of a gap. And it, just read that in the news. Eight student nurses raped and killed i mean that's just but, but the difference with mass shootings is you are right it's it is we're very um used to the shootings now accustomed to it um through the media but he like usually when you stab and do all those things and strangle people and it's personal and he did it eight times right eight times he didn't just Bang, 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 bang. He just, each and every one was a motive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just blood. So we get back to the investigation, and the police question a traumatized Cora uh, Amaro, who was the only survivor of this whole ordeal, and she gives the police a description of the perpetrator, a white male, 25 years old, six feet tall, shorter crew cut hair, no hat, wearing a black waist-length jacket, dark pants, a southern accent, and stated that he was going on assignment to New Orleans via the shipping detail. The detectives combed around this Jeffrey Manor neighborhood and revisited a nearby gas station. They questioned uh, the gas attendant, seeing if they met someone matching Coral's description. As related in Dennis Brio's crime of the century, the attendant replied, well, there was a guy who came in early on the morning of July 13th to wash up and get some bags he had left in the station. He had a soda uh, pop. That's soda, but yeah, uh, I'm sorry. This is where I'm from. I would just say pop, but he had a pop. Yeah, he had a pop. Oh, you're terrible. But he had a pop and ate a candy bar and made some small talk. He smoke spoke with a real southern drawl and appeared plenty pissed off. He mumbled something about a damn ship or ammunition smoke. and that sounds like uh, Dougie in the background, Cammy's dog. He's currently eating right now. Give him if my... you saw him earlier, he was trying to kiss me while we were on camera. Oh, I, I saw like, it. Give him my dearest, by the way. Hello. Bird says hello. How's, how's, how's my nephew? Here he comes. Uh, nephew. He's back. <laughs> Say hello. Hey. Well, she probably get back. But my screen. <laughs> the gas attendant referred to the detectives to store manager Dick Polo, who had also talked to Speck. In fact, he given Speck permission to leave his bags at the gas station. Polo will go on to say, according to Brio, that he assumed Speck was a sailor. He had two bags, he was looking for a room, and he was very upset about something. Polo recommended him to a rooming house on 94th and Commercial and allowed him to leave his bags overnight. Encouraged by these details, detectives called police headquarters and requested reinforcements so that two two-man teams can split up and canvass the nearby hotels and rooming houses. Detectives would then go to the Maritime Union Hall where uh, Gene Thornton, um, Speck's brother-in-law, had took him to inquire about assignment records for the last few days. According to Brio, the detectives found a worker who stated that on July 12th in the morning, a ship berthed in Indiana Harbor requested two seamen when only one was required. Two seamen were, oh boy, I should say sailors, but two sailors were sent from the hall. One was hired and the other returned the next morning, disgusted and mad. This guy had a sudden draw, like a hillbilly, and he fits the description of the worker, remember? He's tall. I finally had to tell him to quit blowing steam and settle down that he'd get another ship. Incredibly, this worker reached down and fished out his uh, waist basket. 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 Oh, boy. Long day. You know, when I've been up since 3 in the morning, I tell you. I guess it's kind of like a commonality. Happy Monday. Right? There we go. Uh-huh. His waste basket, a duplicate of the assignment slip that had dispatched Speck to the Sinclair Great Lakes. The slip provided the name Richard B. Speck. The address provided was that of the Thorntons. 
his sister and aforementioned brother-in-law and read 3966 Avondale Telephone AV32830. And with this information, detectives were able to retrieve the entire union file on Speck. So then the worker then tells detectives that Speck had been previously fired from another ship for assaulting that off the, the ship's officer and that he had several tattoos on his arms. And the description on file perfectly matched the ones provided by the gas attendant and a disturbed stranger who just visited the uh, gas station. Detectives passed his information on to Area 2 officers, encouraging them to look over Chicago Police Department's Bureau of Inquiry section. Detectives later made the check, but police knew nothing of Richard Speck, even though he had a warrant out of his name in two states, including Illinois. And for the next four hours, the four uh, cops who were patrolling, uh, was working on the case, pounded the pavement, going around the area, knocking doors in search of a Richard Speck. But just two day days afterwards, Speck was identified by a drifter named Claude Lunsford. Speck, Lunsford, and another man were drinking on the evening of July 15th, just only a couple of days again after the murders and the fire escape of the Star Hotel at 617 West Madison. On July 16th, Lunsford recognized a sketch of the murderer in the evening paper and phoned the police later that evening after finding Speck in his room at the Star Hotel. The police did not respond to the call, though the records show the call had been made. Once Speck knew that he got made, he then tried to attempt a suicide, and a Star Hotel desk clerk phoned in an emergency around midnight. Speck was taken to Cook County Hospital on July 17th, a little over midnight. And at the hospital, Speck was recognized by Dr. Leroy Smith, a 25-year-old surgical resident physician who had read about the Born to Raise Hell tattoo and a newspaper story. The police were called, Speck was arrested, and around the same time, technicians from the Chicago Police Department crime lab and from the lab's identification section were able to lift fingerprints matching Speck. So in the days before DNA, this is kind of like the definitive smoking gun that has Speck dead to right. So all that said, after a couple of days, they got him. That's awesome. And soon after that, Judge Herbert um, J. Passion appointed an impartial panel to report on Speck's uh, competence uh, to see if he could stand trial and to see if his sanity um, was pretty much if he had it at the time of the crime. Three physicians offered by the defense and then three physicians by the prosecution did this. And then on top of that, five uh, psychiatrists and one general surgeon were all included on this. After further review, the panel's confidential report found that Speck was in fact competent to stand trial and concluded he had not been insane at the time of the murders. Now, while awaiting trial, Speck actually participated in twice-weekly sessions with a part-time Cook County Jail psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Marvin Zipron. These continued actually after Speck's transfer from Sturmac Memorial Hospital um, on J July 29, 1966, and it uh, continued until February 13, 1967. And this was the day before Speck was transferred to Peoria to stand trial. Zipperon uh, prepared a discharge summary with depression, anxiety, guilt, and shame among Speck's emotions. I didn't know shame was an emotion. Mm. But also, he had a deep love for his family. It went on to note an obsessive-compulsive personality and more like a Madonna prostitute attitude towards women, which is a very interesting... Um, description, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, Zipron maintained Speck, viewed pretty much women as quote-unquote saintly until he felt betrayed by them for whatever reason. And then after that, hostility developed, which again makes me question what those eight women did for him to act like that. Mm -hmm. um, but the doctor continued to state he was also diagnosed with an organic brain syndrome. Um, Never heard that one either. That's interesting. Organic and this actually result. What is that? I have no freaking idea. Like, I, that's. If anybody knows, let us know because, I mean, I'm sure by the time we talk to you guys next, we'll look it up. So we'll follow up with you guys on that. Um, 
but this brain syndrome resulted from a cerebral injury, um, which was suffered earlier on in Speck's life. And it was stated by the doctor that he was competent to stand trial, but was insane at the time of the crime due to the effects of alcohol and drugs used on this organic brain syndrome. So I kind of want to dissect like the whole um, Madonna prostitute attitude. What is that? Like, I think it's something to, and what we were just talking about, and it's something that we really want to do a future episode on. I think his name is Elliot Rogers or something like that. And it's like one of those things is that you have like these like men would have would have these warped, I guess, idealizations of how women should behave or should act like it should be dainty or something like that. And so they want to have control over the women. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just one of those things is that if they behave, it's like you men can be, uh, well, they can be promiscuous and they can do what men do. But if women do that, then it's just, they're like the antichrist. And that's kind of exactly. like that very kind of like, and that's like the ongoing issue that we have, which, which it's, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand why people are upset about that now, because these people, especially spec in this situation, from what um, the doctor stated was, oh, no, he was okay. He thinks he loves women. Mm-hmm. From what it sounds like is he loves women that follow and are under his control what he wants. Right. And so that relates to, I don't know if it's like a compulsive part of his brain or the same kind of thing that serial killers go through when it comes to lust and having control. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting word, word choice, I'd say, they use mm-hmm. to beat around the bush that he is fine and nothing's wrong with him. Right. But despite all of these findings, it turned out that Dr. Zipperin did not testify for the defense or prosecution because both sides were kind of really pissed to learn that Zipperin was writing a book about spec for financial gain. Yeah. And... <laughs> So, hey, gotta cash in while you can, I guess. But Zipperin also earned more heat at the Cook County Jail, which fired him as a part-time psychiatrist a week after Speck's trial eventually ended. And eventually, Zipperin had wrote a book on Speck, which was published in the summer of 1967. So, that's a quick fucking turnaround. <laughs> sure, he was really upset that he was fired. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, that's insane. Yeah. But anyways, um, Spick's jury trial actually began April 3rd, 1967 in Peoria, Illinois. And for all you people who haven't been outside of Chicago, that's about three hours southwest of Chicago. And you know, I've never been to Peoria. Peoria. You've never been to Peoria? Nope. Um, it's not too bad. I mean, I have some friends who call it Poria. Poria. Um, but okay, that makes me Poria. feel better for mispronouncing the name. The Poria. Yeah, poor, like, like, oh, Poria. Ah. But, like, they were, they're from that area, so it's like you talk shit about your hometown. So I don't know. I didn't have an issue with it when I, when I've been there. I, I liked it, but I never, like, went outside of the city, so I don't know the mm-hmm. outskirts of it. Um, but, anyways, in court, Speck was actually positively identified by the one sole survivor, and that's uh, Cora Amarero. Um, when Cora was asked if she could identify the killer of her fellow students, Cora rose from her seat in the witness box, walked directly in front of Speck, and put in, pointed her finger at him, nearly touching him, and said, this is the man. Just and I give that girl a lot. I give yeah. that woman a lot of props. Just that's, imagine the gumption you have to do just to stand in front of this man who was that, about to kill you, who killed your friends and your colleagues. Like, it's just... That shows how strong she is. That's yeah. Oh my gosh, that's insane. That's that's very strong, and I'm very glad that she was able to testify and be part of this. Mm -hmm. I mean, not not part of it because of what happened, but but to see that justice was done. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Um, on April fifteenth, after just forty nine minutes of deliberation. The jury found Speck guilty and recommended the death penalty. On on June 5th, Judge Herbert sentenced Speck to die in the electric chair. 
But he did, uh, but it was granted an immediate state pending the automatic appeal. The Illinois Supreme Court subsequently upheld his conviction and death sentence on November 22, 1968. In December 1965 and March 1966, Nature and the Lancet published, finished, or published findings by British... Are we, oh, sorry. Cytogenetics. Um, Cytogenetics. Oh, no, I was making sure I was supposed to be reading all these. I thought this yeah, was the end. Yeah, this is like, you, buddy. Up. Okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. Um, anyways, by a British uh, cytogenetic, whatever, Patricia Jacobs and colleagues, that's a really intelligent person. Um, Patricia Jacobs and colleagues of a chromosome uh, survey of patients at Scotland's only security hospital for the developmentally disabled. Nine of these page patients range from five feet, seven inches to six feet, two inches in height. And they were found to have an extra Y chromosome. So the so-called XYY syndrome. And Jacob's hypothesis was that men with the XYY syndrome are more prone to aggressive and violent behavior than males with the normal uh, XY craotype, which was later shown to be incorrect. Hmm. Um, I could have sworn it was like something. I, I don't know why this reminds me of Ben Crispin Wall. Like, then he has something in his brain, something like that. No, I think his son did. It was his son, yeah. His, yep. his son had a disability. It was, fra- it was fragile X syndrome. There we go. That's the only, yeah, that's why I had my, I was really confused. Yeah, that, and, and I can see why people would think that they're more aggressive and violent, but they have to express and communicate differently mm-hmm. because again they 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 can't do it the normal the way we do it so mm-hmm. i see why people would assume that but um as we as we see later on that um that aggressive and violent behavior was shown incorrect right um in august 1966 eric engel a swiss endocrinologist and geneticist i don't know how to say these things University in Nashville, Tennessee, actually wrote to Speck's attorney, County Public Defender Gerald W. Getty, who's reportedly planning an insanity defense. He actually suggested, based on Jacob's unsustained theory and Speck's technical six foot one inch height, that Speck, in fact, could have that XYY syndrome. A chromosome analysis performed the following month by Angle revealed that. Speck had a normal normal chromosome. One month later, a court appointed a panel of six physicians, which rejected Getty's insanity argument and concluded that Speck was mentally competent to stand trial. Then, in eight or in 1968, biochemist Mary Telfer and associates published data from the genetic analysis, and this was similar in design to Jacobs of you know, subjects confined to psychiatric hospitals in the uh, Pinnell Institutes in Pennsylvania, which I actually want to look into. I always love when ghosts like adventures go to those places. Um, but anyways, of the five, uh, oops, hold on a second. Hold on. I phone text up. Okay. Um, Damn text. Of the five, <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Uh, of the five XYY patients identified, four of them exhibit, exhibited moderate to severe facial acne, leading the group to suggest that acne be added to the list of defining XYY char- uh, characteristics. And then subsequent research failed to uh, substantiate the observation as well. So now they're just kind of throwing things in there. And the to reason, see but the reason to... that really like uh, that stands out because uh, Speck was known to have pock marks. Uh, it was very noticeable on his face. So was that? that... Did he do drugs? Well, I mean, yeah. in jail oh, he did. We'll get in that in, in a bit, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things, and it kind of while we're talking about this X Y Y syndrome. Um, in the last episode, you offered a really kind of like a, a interesting um, reasoning of why you think he committed these murders. And that said, do you think that this XYY syndrome had any kind of, you know, role, a substantial role, if any, that played what he did? No. 
I I mean, if if there was scientific proof that he had this syndrome or extra chromosome, I could see why people would assume that he would be aggressive. But coming from like I have a fam, my my stepmom works with individuals who have extra chromosomes, who have you know disabilities, and none of them have committed a crime. None of them have committed a murder. Yeah, they get angry because they can't exactly express themselves or communicate correctly, but I don't think these um, facts that they're getting to consider you have this syndrome are correct. Kind of like how people think vaccines give you autism. Right. It's, It's like factually it's incorrect because you're literally guessing just from what it's this theory, Jacob's theory is due to his hype, he must have this in his anger. He must have this syndrome. Mm. Well, that's yeah, that, you know, you gotta know. Stop just, there. You gotta there stop. needs to be more information behind it. I feel like, mm-hmm. um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sure drugs and alcohol, have affected his attitude and everything, but it's like you were saying about Chris Benoit, like his son used, uh, had a disability, but Benoit changed when he started using steroids. Right. His attitude changed, his personality changed, testosterone started flowing. There's a reason why we're not supposed to be doing drugs mm-hmm. because it does things to our brains that, you know, it fires extra serotonin it fires extra things in our brain that it shouldn't be kind of thing so mm. you get a different feeling a different high a different type of happiness that you'll never feel again mm. so in april 1968 the new york times presented this un uh this theory associating uh the xyy syndrome with violent violent behavior as an established fact and noted that this had been cited as a mitigating factor by attorneys defending an XYY man charged with murder in Paris and another in Australia. And it was also identified as spec as having a classic example of XYY syndrome. But uh, in May 1968, Speck's chromosomes were looked at a second time with the same result, a normal 46XY genome or genome. So it's kind of, it's really, it's, it's really like gray. It's nothing black or white that's ever determined that he had this, this syndrome. And, and to this day, he what, remains I labeled. I just don't even understand what they're, I just don't understand what they're trying to find. I mean, I understand they're trying to find any way to make him innocent, but like. Mm-hmm. Or try to find well, some I kind mean, of justification and of the things why he did this, but it's, it's never, it's never like, you know, uh, definitively confirmed if he had this or not. It's like, have you seen that one meme going around? That's like, um, when girls base all, everything off of their Zodiac sign, it's like, Oh, sorry. I hit you with my car. I'm a Capri sun. It's like, okay. Don't don't use those as an excuse to why, you know, you're acting out the way you are. I mean, I'm not saying this is an excuse for um, Speck whatsoever. I think he was, I, I do believe that he had some uh, anger towards women. I'm not sure why. Um, and he took it out on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so... Going on, go, moving further, on June 28, 1971, the United States Supreme Court, citing in their June 3, 1968 decision in Witherspoon versus Illinois, upheld its Speck's conviction, but reversed his death sentence because... Oh boy, you good? Sorry, I fell. Okay. <laughs> okay, so like, oh shit. But re- they reversed Richard Speck's death sentence because more than 200... And 50 potential jurors were excluded from his jury because of their religious beliefs against capital punishment. And a year after that, nearly a year after to the day, on June 9th, June 29th, 1972, 
in the famous Furman v. Georgia case, the Supreme Court declared the death penalty unconstitutional. So the Illinois Supreme Court's only option was to order Speck resentenced to prison by the original Cook County Court. So think about that. And this is very, like, uh, we never really talked about um, the death penalty and whether, you know, you're for it or against it. Like, that's that's going to a whole different slippery slope. But in this case, and I guess what we're going to get into later on, like, I kind of felt that the death penalty was warranted for this one. Yeah, I feel like in this, and I know everyone's got different opinions, um, but in this situation on how violent it was and just how unbelievably personal it seemed to be, I, I really think he should have gotten the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, I really, there's no proof that he was actually insane, that he was experiencing a quote unquote, uh, fucking episode or, or has this X, X, Y or X, Y, Y syndrome or any of that. So I just think, I mean, my whole theory and, you know, uh, evolution, that theory, we'll get back to that one. <laughs> but uh, I just, I think he should have gotten it. I really think he should have gotten the death penalty. But yeah. that's just me. But on November 21st, 1972, in Peoria, Judge Richard Fitzgerald resentenced Speck from 400 to 1,200 years in prison, and it's eight consecutive sentences of 50 to 150 years. So, so for, each mur- for, for each murder, for each uh, death of the nurse, that's like 50, so it's like 1,200, yeah, you got it. Yeah, which, which is, you know, what you can do without the death sentence, so it, it's good to know that he's serving each life sentenced for the lives he took. Um, and it's even better because he was denied parole in seven minutes at his first parole hearing on September 15, 1976. Um, so it's good to know that people are still, I don't even know why he's got parole. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just don't know why he ever Sorry, got parole. Yeah, that's kind of stupid. Yeah, especially this video that we're going to eventually play, like it's... Yeah, it, it makes oh. you want. I understand, like you got to do, do you know, due process and criminal, uh, criminal uh, court system. But like, it, it's just one of those things. Is that I do not understand why. Like, I mean, he already, he already had, he already vacated, he already vacated the death uh, sentence. I mean, to kind of give him a chance to even, especially if you're gonna <laughs> deny it in seven minutes. Just very Don't kind of questionable. Don't walking in. They probably saw his face and they were like, bye. Mm-hmm. It's, I just don't like, what is it, after three murders in what, like two, three months that you're considered a serial killer? He Always did this thought it was night. like two. Yeah, or like in a certain amount of time, you like mm. kill so many people in a certain amount of time in a certain area. And he did it in one night and he didn't just go on a shooting spree right. and just go hit a bunch of people with his car and play GTA and yeah, this, he, is, this, is a, this is a real life fucking GPA rampage mode and I mean and that's not saying it to try to make any light of your jokes but this is you know a, the worst dastardly disregard I mean it's just unfathomable just, that he put somebody like the court system to even kind of notion okay well after what seven years or or, or eight nine years? Yeah, that, why oh, even he... give him parole? <laughs> why? And it's and not like, like his I... record was clean before that. If even if you want to play devil's advocate, because he was arrested forty one times beforehand. It's just, I just it's I, baffling like, as I'm... all fuck. That's what it is. It's what it's baffling as all fuck. It, it's it's crazy to see how like much the police have advanced when it comes to people killing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I just, why was, why did Speck do it? Like I'm convinced he was angry because he kept getting rejected for jobs, but why take it out on people who you are there knew. to help you? Right. Why, why, 
why are you taking out on innocent women? Like, why not the people that I'm not saying it's okay to take it out on anybody, but like your anger was with that, uh, NMU hall, not mm-hmm. these women off the side. I don't know. In it's just, it's weird it how he correlates women with his anger. I don't know. It's another brain I'd like to pick. Um, but also too, um, when he was first, uh, denied parole, he was then again denied parole six more times in 97, 98, 1981, 1984, 1987, and 1990, and I'm almost 100% certain he'll be denied again when he's... Oh, he's dead. Because that was 1990 with the last one, yeah. I keep fucking forgetting that. Like, I was like, I hope you're going to get this one. I was like, yeah, that was a lot. If that was, no, if that was the case, if he was alive, they would probably keep doing that shit. And it would have been even more bad. Like, yeah. That video that you showed me makes me think that he's still alive. Let's not, we're going to get to that video. And I can see Yo, when you guys watch this video, you're going to think he's still alive. It was fucking weird. Oh, boy. That's why I keep thinking he's still alive after watching. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can and I can and I can see that because the video was released in 1996, uh, five years after he died. So I can see that, like, oh, what, what the fuck just came out? But yeah, this and was the, was back in the back in the media again. So what, I'm like, what, oh, what, what for? Like, I think just the whole video coming back up because everybody was. Uh, you know, Charles Manson just passed away, so all that was coming up, and then everybody's mm-hmm. all about serial killers now, so his name was just showing back up, like, in the media and stuff, or the things I follow, and I was like, mm-hmm. what? Mm. So, it was like they were trying to relate Charles Manson and Richard Speck, and I was like, I don't I don't know what the relation is, but okay. Yeah, so while incarcerated at the Stateville Correctional Center at Crest Hill, Illinois, Speck was given a particular nickname by fellow inmates. Do you want to know? Want to take a stab at the? Oh God, Alex, no. Jesus, do you want to take a guess? Stabby McStab. No, no, no. Just take a guess. Oh God, just a, just take a guess. What's the nickname? It's one, one word or two words. Just, just, just it's one word. One word. You, stab. No, Birdman. Get the fuck out of His here. His nickname was Birdman. So now I can't. And you want that name. And that's the no, name. No, now want. you have to call me. You, you're going to have to call me Alex for at least for the rest of this episode because I just don't. Excuse me, that. Sir Alex. Yeah, this is, just doesn't feel right. But he was called. Oh, fuck. Birdman. Wow. I'm going to just start calling you Richard Speck. Oh, you son of a bitch. But <laughs> What's up, Speck? Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 boy. So he was given the name Birdman after the film Birdman of Alcatraz because he kept a pair of sparrows that had flown into his cell, and he was described as a learner who kept a stamp collection and enjoyed listening to music. His contact with the warden included requests for new shirts, a radio, and other peculiar items. And the warden described him as a big nothing doing time. And also, um, as we talked about with uh, John Wayne Gacy, another episode you can find in the archives, he also did painting in his spare time. And um, oh, yeah. I sent you, got, you the, you have to show the that. photo if, if it was a Bambi, right? It was Bambi and Thumper. And it's kind of scary because, like, we all know how Bambi lost his mom. Mm-hmm. And. Disney is a very, we like to think it's a very innocent thing for children, and here he is drawing that shit, like, like he didn't murder nine women, or nine women, oh my god, eight women. Yeah, so, Speck had a uh, rather tumultuous relationship with reporters, but in 1978, he granted an interview with Chicago Tribune and his columnist, uh, Bob Green. And during the interview, Speck publicly confessed to the murders for the first time and said that he thought he would get out of prison between now and the year 2000. And I mean, it's a marry of this motherfucker. It's just... Huh. Why would you think that? And which, at that time, he had hoped to run his own grocery store business. And Green had asked him if he compared himself to other killers, such as Donald Ginger, and she said... Me, I'm not like Dillinger or anybody else. I'm freakish. 
And Speck had said at the time of killings he had no feelings, but things had changed. I had feelings, had no feelings at all that night. They said there was blood all over the place. I can't remember. It felt like nothing. I'm sorry as hell for those girls and for their families and for me. If I had to do it over again, it would have been a simple house burglary. So, I mean, kind of decipher that a little. Like, do you think... He wasn't going in there to... I mean, he was... I guess maybe he was, but like... You I, would stop maybe after I one. Can't, I, can't, I can't buy that shit because he's had a track record of especially, uh, especially with being drunk to being increasingly violent especially towards women. So you're drunk and you've been upset that you've been passed over these assignments for, for going in the sea. It was just a smoldering, you know, uh, a melting pot that it just, it, he was going to unleash some kind of hell on, you know, somebody. And but why not like on somebody walking down, like I'm not saying justifying a person walking mm -hmm. down the street. But like you went out of your way. He was a ticking time bomb. I was just bomb. I just don't think it was. Oh, if I had to do it again, it was just a simple house burglary. Bullshit. Bullshit. Unfortunately. No, I think. I think when he said he had no feelings, he still does not have feelings. Mm -hmm. He probably just like every other time he did a crime, he blacked out. Regardless, this was the worst that he's done. But black i i don't that's not an excuse he knew what he was going in there for if you're burglarizing someone you're not you're not bringing in weapons and mm -hmm. shit you're but he he would know better than i did oh and then surprise surprise oh wait have you finished your oh yeah but well it is another little uh interesting tidbit johnny douglas of the fbi's behavioral science unit um had recalled a disturbing incident with one of Pet's aforementioned pet birds. And he said, quote-unquote, he found an entrance sparrow that had flown in through one of the broken windows and nursed it back to health. When it was healthy enough to stand, he tied a string around his leg and had it perched at his shoulder. At one point, the guard had told him the new pets weren't allowed. I can't have it, Speckle challenge, and then walked over to a spinning fan and threw the small bird in. And the guard had said, I thought you liked that bird, to which Speck replied, I did, but if I can't have it, no one can. So that's in stark contrast to somebody who would say, well, if I had to do it over again, it would have been a simple house burglary, and I have these remorse, and that's just kind of like... Exactly. He just it, wants to have control. Yeah, he contradicts. Yep, exactly. And, and the worst part is, like when he finally owns up to being a piece of shit, he still tries to avoid getting the shit beat out of him like he should have. He Wait till you guys see the video, then you guys will understand my anger right now from the research we've done to that video because... So I just, let me, let me lead in before you do that. So Speck ended up dying of a heart attack on December 5th, 1991, just one day before his 50th birthday, and we kind of been kind of like leading into what we're about to talk about next. And before that, but Speck's sister had feared that his grave would be desecrated, so he does not have a physical resting place. And Speck was cremated, but his ashes were scattered in a secret location in the Joliet area. So, all you folks who listen in from Joliet, huh. Find that bitch. <laughs> and no offense. <laughs> so, so the story, we would think, we would probably stop there, but... Uh, this is why I keep thinking Speck was alive. Yeah. Um. And and it, and it just thank you, Bird, for finding this. I mean, Alex Kim for go. finding this. In May 1996, Chicago television news anchor Bill Curtis received videotapes that were made at Stateville Correctional Center in 1988 from a anonymous attorney, and Bill Curtis showing them publicly publicly for the first time before the Illinois state legislative. And let's just say this video showed some explicit scenes of sex, drug use, and money being passed around by prisoners who seemingly had no fear of being caught. And surprise, surprise, in the center of all of it was Speck, who was performing oral sex on another inmate and also sharing a large quantity of cocaine with another. 
He was parading in silk uh, undergarments, sporting female-like breasts, which were supposedly grown using a smuggled hormone treatment. So, hmm. And he started, you would hear him boasting, if they only knew how much fun I was having, they turned me loose. And the Illinois legislator packed the auditorium to view the two-hour video. But they stopped screening it when the tape showed Speck performing oral sex on another man. So, so you guys can find a snippet of this uh, video on YouTube. We're going to play a little portion of it. And hopefully you guys can hear it. But, like, this is very... And we'll share it to it. We'll, sh well, fuck it. we'll share it on uh, the post on Facebook and... Instagram, but um, this is very, very disturbing. I have to, I can't caution that enough. So, um, yeah, it, it's not for, it's not for the weak stomach or the mm -hmm. weak eye. It's, it just shows how he's, I just, it's hard to explain, you know, like I, I believe in people that have spirits and souls and he just doesn't have one. Right. So, he just, the, he's the, so killer, dark. the killer, Richard Rinsman Speck, in his own words, reminder. Richard Speck. The disturbing video in which Speck discusses the murders and shows evidence of his bizarre life behind bars. I just thought I'd have to get an old lady. More shocking than Speck's lack of remorse was his change in appearance. Apparently through the use of hormones, he had transformed his body to ensure his survival in one of America's most dangerous prisons. Yeah, so it's kind of like, I'm looking at this video right now, and I thank God I ate because that's just a disturbing sight to see. So if you guys weren't able to pick up on the audio, it's basically what he said, um, it was a prisoner who was interviewing Speck, and he asked him point blank, if he, did he kill the nurses, to which Speck said, sure I did, in a very nonchalant manner. And when asked why, Speck, you can guys can see on the video, he shrugged and jokingly said, it just wasn't their night. And he said it was like, like I always felt, had no feeling. And if you're asking me if I felt sorry, no. So we talked about just a few minutes earlier about the interview he had in nineteen in, in the late seventies, where he talks about having remorse. But this video came out. Well, it was released in nineteen ninety six, but this video uh, was recorded in nineteen eighty eight, just a few years before Speck died. So I mean, it's very conflicting on what he's talking about. Will I have this remorse? But you see, he's just, he's talking as if he's just describing just you know. Just like a, he doesn't, because he, he doesn't have remorse. Yeah, and that's what I hate. You know, majority of prisoners when they get in front of the media want to show, they want to perform. You're not going to get all the information. That's why I believe that that video of him speaking to a prisoner who's the same as him versus someone who who might make him more famous or make him more of a big deal in the media. Right. It's just it's just disturbing as all fuck. So after Speck died, Cora Amora was interviewed by ABC Seven Chicago, and she would say that she would have nightmares for the last twenty five years, fearing that Speck would break out of prison and kill her. He would not be able to get out. She would say he would not be able to come looking for anyone. I, of course, she bravely testified against Speck in court, and she would later say, "After that night, I'm always scared." You know. I'm not the kind of person because I was always a happy person. And in a more recent interview with Dennis Brio doing the 2016 update on his aforementioned 1993 book, Crime of the Century, Cora describes her time spent with the nurses during that fateful summer in 1966. I have a good memory of the nurses when Merlita Gorgello cooked Abdol Filipino and Pancet, and they came home from the hospital and smelled the food and said it's good. So we invited them to join us to eat, and they really liked it. That was a good time that we had. She also recalled fond memories of her slang classmates, other slang classmates, who were very, quote-unquote, very nice and helpful to us, especially Nina Schmel and Pat Matushek. 
As you know, I want to be happy all the time. Life is short and you do not know when you're going to die. It has been a long time since Speck died, but I still have some nightmares. I guess I will not be able to forget that for the rest of my life. Every time I wake up in the morning, though, I thank God that I am still alive. And that is in the words of the only survivor, Cora Amaro. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of Richard Speck. Oh, boy. Fuck. That's... And that's Richard Speck. Yeah. Um, what more can we say? I just... And again, he's just one of the many individuals we've been talking about who who act out like this, who do these things. Was he always a lost cause, do you think? Was he... What Did he have something mentally wrong with him? Would he be considered on the spectrum somewhere today? I don't know, but... He... Fortunately, he never had a chance when he was growing up, and he turned into a monster, and it sucks. It really, really sucks. Yeah. Uh, For the the women who, for the victims, for Cora, for everyone. I wish Richard Speck was able to get death penalty. I wish he suffered. Yeah, because it's just just one of those things, and and it's going back to this video, and you're seeing him... Smoke, uh, snorting cocaine. You see him just having a gangle time. V, and as he said, if they knew the kind of fun that I was having here, they would have never let me out or something like that effect. So I mean, it's just one of those things that, and I understand, you know, especially with the death uh, penalty and appeals have to go out, and those things can take years and years and years. But no matter what you think of us, some people that just deserve to be put to death and i mean wow and he's he's a prime example why he should die i understand people forgive them and you know the lord allows them and you know i've, I've thought about that he you never know, had if more I was ever in that position and but that's the thing he never had i don't rem- think i could no he no again he never had he, remorse and he, it moved. You see what the video, what you see, what nope, the FBI no. profiler had said with the uh, the I'm... bird. It's just, it it, 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 it's hard to make a compelling case for to say, well, you know, maybe he deserved uh, to at least live the rest of his natural life, which he ended up doing. It's yeah. Who that like? Crap, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh yeah, and like as crazy as it sounds, he had a terrible life growing up, you know, with mm-hmm. his stepfather. And I bet to him being in jail and being who he turned into was was awesome for him. Wow. So he probably had a great time. You know, I, met, I, 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 I never considered that. That's a fantastic point. Like, he, life, like, haven't you ever heard that saying, like, some homeless people, uh, uh, rather, like, they try to get arrested when it's cold out, because they can go sleep in a jail, get food, and be warm. And, and why wouldn't he want to when his life sucked growing up and he's just been shit on? Mm-hmm. And now he's probably he probably had a great time in jail, and he's the last person that deserves any of that. Right. He de- he deserved to be electric. Yeah. So. Uh... So and that's why and that's my ongoing you know theory. Like I don't want to forget someone you know if that happened i want to forgive i want to move on i you know that's the bigger person but you should die mm-hmm. so that's my ongoing issue that I yeah, have because right. i'm not as nice as a person as i had to be mm-hmm. and guys um again thank you guys so much uh oh jesus video still like i paused it and is looking at me and like ah i gotta there we go <laughs> But um, again, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening along with us. We're going to be back later on this week, um, either Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, we don't know, but we're going to be covering. You want to tell us? Yeah. Yes, yes. I'm so excited. It's going to about, I mean, I know majority of you guys know about this. I know, I know we were talking about this. Um, we've kind of stayed in the Illinois area the last couple episodes so we're getting the hell out of the west we're going to um the so i'm sure majority of you 
Wait, what you guys was it know again? the quote unquote unsolved murder? Um, uh, what? Where, where was it? Where was it? It's again? in Massachusetts. Oh, oh, I'm gonna have so fun. Uh, I'm gonna uh, have such a hard time saying Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Yeah. Massachusetts. <laughs> oh. we, we won't have to. We'll only say it once. There we go, Mass. And um, long story short, she, yeah, long story short, um, she was tried and found not guilty of murdering her family. So get ready, everyone. Okay, you kind of yes. lagged when um, I don't know if anybody heard you, but so we're gonna be doing Lizzie Borden. Um, and you know, you guys ever heard that, uh, what was the fable Lizzie Borden had an axe, uh, fucked her dad for 40 wax or something like that. I just, yeah, it, it's, well, we're going to get this a lot of, no, no, no. It was Lizzie Borden had it. I just read it. It was Lizzie Borden had an axe and she gave did. her mom 40 wax. She saw what she did done. So she gave her father 41, oh, which I didn't hear till college. So. Wow. What what type of childhood thing is that? Mm. And I, you know, I remember they. So had, yeah, that will all be in the next one. That was like one of the first invest, first things I ever saw on Investigation Discovery, like when they were talking about that. Yeah, yep. and oh. it was I've seen it more more now again, like it being, and I think it's because her their house where the murders happened are now is now a bed and breakfast so we'll all get to that too mm -hmm. and we're gonna be having a special guest on there so. um a yes. special friend of the program uh one of my dearest friends oh. in the whole wide world deb uh, she's gonna probably be listening to this tonight so when she was like oh yay so we're gonna have her coming on and offer her uh two cents two valuable cents at that and um we're going to have a very interesting time to say the least and talking about the case of Lizzie Borden. So, before we go, um, hit the good folks with where they can reach us. That's right, cheeks and chicas. That's supposed to be dudes and dudettes. Anyways, you guys can find me on Instagram at Instacam630. You can find me on Twitter at I like stuff 630 And if you can find Bird on Facebook. Oh, you can't call me Bird. Me. No, no, you can't call me Bird. Remember, no, I just, ah, uh, I, I, oh, shit, yeah, um, damn it, oh, uh, that's so weird, if you can find Alex, there Camp, we go, yay, Alex Camp on, um, Facebook, you can find me, <laughs> oh my God. It, it's kind of funny, because, like, your turn, Alex, oh, yeah, thank you, but I'll say, it's kind of funny, because, like, even though, you know, that was my nickname in, in, in college and above, like, you were kind of, you know, during our uh, crazy drinking in, in class days, it was kind of like an 80-20 when you called, 80-20% of you calling me Alex than it was Birdman, and it wasn't until we started doing the, the podcast that it's been strictly Birdman, but not anymore, in light of... Well, I honestly, I'm totally that person that like when people have nicknames i'm like you don't have a nickname so i'll tell you you have a nickname so then i what think of a nickname for you like my one friend is brendan o'connell and i call him brenda i'm like yo you sit down let me let me put you in your place oh yeah <laughs> oh i like to think i'm a lot tougher than i am you yeah I, that <laughs> that i would drink to but i yeah, I just don't and i, I and i'm just like i just don't feel comfortable don't calling make, myself permit anymore it's just very, just weird. And I didn't know that until, like, yeah, no, you did know. the notes. Until you said that. I did not know that. No. I, <laughs> fuck. I'm not, this just changed the whole name. It's going to be called Killing Love with Alex and Cam. And it doesn't sound sort off the back, but I will feel more comfortable. So now. Let's call you Iceberg. Iceberg. No, no, no. We'll call you Iceberg. Bird Do you know what sure. Iceberg sure. derives from? Google, Google Iceberg Slim. Just Google that. I'm not even going to. Did this Google what Iceberg Slim is? You like you're gonna die. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna tell me he, he was a pimp. I thought you were gonna tell me to Google an iceberg. I was no, like, oh, no, you're gonna think Titanic. He was a pimp. No, Watch of course not. But again, guys, thank oh, you so an much. Oh, author. Yeah, yeah. You should just read more up on him. Just like, oh, what the fuck? But um, guys, thank you. Could find me on. Oh my god. Okay, everybody. You could find me on Bird. Your enthusiasm on Instagram. You can find me on oh, fuck Birdman for America on Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook. I'm double fuck Birdman Iceberg. I really or maybe Richard's fucking name. Yes. Uh, and guys, thank you so much for supporting. We don't know. Me. We'll find out. 
Thank you so much for the support. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Media Alley, where you can also find the Jet and Mike Super Short Podcast. I think that's what it's called. But uh, we will be back later on this week with our special guest talking about the Lizzie Borden case. And for Cam, this is Alex signing out saying, be there or be killed, bitches. Or be killed, bitches. Woo!